When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you are listening to episode 170 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing practical ways in which we can minimize, simplify, and keep up with the dreaded housework. If we are fortunate enough to live inside four walls with a roof, then we all have it, housework. And if we're fortunate enough to have a family, we likely have lots of household duties. My guest today argues that the key to simplifying housework is first to get everyone involved. The second key is to create routines and rituals around your housework and in your days so that the routines and rituals become so well ingrained in your days that you don't even think about any of it as work. Today, I'm speaking with Becky Rappinchuk. Becky may be better known to you as Clean Mama. She runs a popular blog by the same name, and she's also the author of a new book titled Clean Mama's Guide to a Peaceful Home. Becky is on the show to outline her uber-popular daily routines as well as her weekly ones that have transformed homes around the globe from messy, stress-inducing spaces into serene and cozy ones. Enjoy my chat with Becky Rappinchuk. Becky, thank you so much for coming on the show. I am so excited to speak with you all about how we can create sanctuaries out of our homes. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. And I want to congratulate you on the release of your new book, Clean Mama's Guide to a Peaceful Home. I did read it cover to cover. It's sitting on my lap. And I'm really looking forward to being the bridge between you and my listeners so that we can impart some tangible tips into their daily lives. But before we even attempt to do that, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Becky, and I am the owner of Clean Mama. It's a website designed to help people find a little bit of peace and calm and learn how to clean their homes in a different, easier uh, way. I like The foundation of my website is my cleaning routine, where I do a little something every day, and that keeps our homes clean and makes for smaller messes, which makes for a less overwhelm and, of course, uh, easier to maintain home. Hmm. It sounds like you really 
advocate for an incremental approach to housework. And my first question for you today is, of course, about how we view our homes. I think everybody listening would agree that our homes should be this peaceful, serene space. But so often our homes are actually (laughs) causes of stress. Why do you think that is? Well, if I were answering this a year ago, I would I would have a totally different answer. But I um, think that through the pandemic, we've realized the importance of home and what our homes can provide for us and share with us and what we can do through our homes. Um, right now, our homes are our gyms and our schools and our restaurants, and we're asking them to do everything for us. It's okay to pause and say there might be a better way to do this, or I might want to try something different here. And I think that's where a lot of times we're like hustling and bustling and working so hard and not taking time to actually say, it's okay if I pause and look at how I'm doing this because it's really not working for me. So let's see if there's a better way to do this. I have found that with my own self (laughs) and our home, it's, Instead, so often, instead of actually pausing, we just keep like plowing forward. And that's where we lead to burnout and exhaustion and overwhelm. And I don't want, I don't want that for myself. And I don't want that for any of my readers either. What I took from your book, the takeaway message, if I had to summarize it in, you know, a sentence, and please correct me if I got it wrong, but You argue that the solution to not just protecting our energy, but also reserving our mental resources, and even in some cases, our physical resources, is to enact rituals. And maybe a better word for rituals would be systems, put systems in place. I must say that for me personally, (laughs) systems and rituals just sound like not exciting, not exciting at all, boring. So I need you, first of all, to tell me if I get that right. And then second of all, convince me why systems and rituals are something I should consider in my own home. Yeah. And I think it really depends on your personality. Some people, if you say, oh, I have a system that'll work for you, they're like, really? Let me hear it. You know, whereas other people are like, oh no, that is, you know, that's too rigid. I like to kind of fly by the seat of my pants and do my own thing and figure it out as I go. And I'm fine with that. So, I mean, and then I'm sure there's three other, you know, variances in between those two extremes. But I think that you don't have to call it a system or a ritual. In the book, I talk about happy tasks and pain points. And I pair those two things together because I think that we all have things that we enjoy doing and it doesn't have a happy task does not have to be something homekeeping related. A happy task can be drinking your coffee, listening to a podcast. I mean, it can be something that just brings you joy and makes you happy. But when you pair that with something that you don't like to do, a pain point, then you might be able to encourage yourself to actually do that thing (laughs) that you're not super into. And then once you repeat that and that pairing and it becomes a habit, you're building systems, you're building rituals without even knowing it. I think that like something like brushing your teeth, 
you have a system for brushing your teeth or you have a ritual for brushing your teeth. You just don't realize that that's what it is because you do it two times a day and and you do it at a certain time every single day and you just keep on moving. And I try to encourage people to approach their homes that way too, that it, you, everything doesn't have to be this big, huge ordeal. It can be just something that you do. It can be almost on autopilot where when um, you're done with a meal, the dishes are collected and brought to the sink. Someone rinses them, someone loads the dishwasher, and you just kind of move through that without it being a big struggle fest. <laughs> and I want people to realize that it doesn't, I mean, if you're if you're calling it a system and you're calling it a ritual and that is bringing you, uh, like you don't like that and that's like abrasive to you <laughs> in your mind, then call it something different. Look at it differently. I like to, when I'm taking something, like doing something I don't want to do, like a load of laundry or cleaning bathrooms, some something that it's not my favorite. I think beyond the task. And I think, how will I feel tomorrow when I know that this is done? Or how will I feel later today when I know this is done? And that's how I kind of encourage myself to do things. It's a gift to my tomorrow self, or it's a gift to my later today self. And when you start doing small tasks during the day, they're two, three minutes here, two, three minutes there. It doesn't feel like the, the work that you're doing all week long adds up to that could have been a whole day Saturday cleaning, but you did these little things all week and the house looks good most of the time. <laughs> and, and you're able to enjoy your weekends or you're able to enjoy your evenings because you're not spending obscene amounts of time cleaning or organizing or taking care of things. That response totally resonates with me, especially what you were talking about with regard to matching a pain point with something enjoyable. I never even consciously realized I was doing this until you so eloquently verbalized it, but I talk an awful lot on the show about how I despise ironing. Ironing is the worst. I hate it, hate it, hate it. But something I've done unconsciously, which is doing the ironing while I am listening to my favorite public radio program. I didn't, you know, I'm matching a pain point with something I enjoy so that every Monday morning at 10 a.m., I just, uh, without even really realizing I'm doing it, head downstairs, listen to my program, which is something I enjoy. And then the ironing, which is something I despise, is actually the afterthought. So yes, that totally works. And something you mentioned in the book that also really resonated with me is you say that we should view routines and systems as love letters to our homes and families. And even I would argue to ourselves, because when these routines become well ingrained within our weeks, these small five minute tasks here, five minute tasks there, then we have more of ourselves to give to our family. So we're not doing six loads of laundry on Saturday and we're tied to the house. We can actually spend more quality intentional time with those we love. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yep. It's, and I think that the other thing that's, it's hard to see to that if you are 
used to having more of a reactive approach to your home. And if, if you are reacting to the big mess or the messes that you can't stand anymore, <laughs> like I can't take it anymore, I have to clean this. That's reactive. But if you're proactive and you are realizing that everything gets dirty, we make messes, you know, the <laughs> chances are you're going to need to clean your bathrooms once a week. Let's just set a day for that. Mondays, we clean bathrooms. Chances are you need to dust every week. Let's take care of that. Tuesdays, we, we dust our houses. So by setting that up so that it's something that you do throughout your week, it's not going to take you as long because it isn't a colossal mess. <laughs> and it's also not going to, it, it will keep your home clean most of the time because you are touching those surfaces and taking care of them before they absolutely need it. And that's where it's going to take less time to perform and then also just um, take less time if you were to have put it off. Your response really makes me think about a hard lesson I learned when I moved into my first apartment, which is if you don't clean the bathroom, if you don't clean the shower until it's absolutely disgusting, it's going to take you a heck of a lot of elbow grease and a heck of a lot of time to clean that shower. But if you do a little bit slow and steady every Monday, let's say, it's never going to build up to that gigantic problem. <laughs> I learned that <laughs> at 18. In your book, you argue that there are five specific daily tasks that are the secret to a clean home. Walk us through them. What are they? Yeah. And so these are the five things that you probably either are doing or realize that you should be doing. <laughs> and I always say to start with those daily tasks when you're trying the routine, just because they take less time and they're not going to feel as overwhelming as like cleaning your entire bathroom, even though I do have a really good method for that in the book too. But the five daily tasks are super simple. It's make your bed. That's the first one. If you have kids, do not make their beds for them. Teach them how to make their beds. And then check floors. That is another one. So if you need to do a quick vacuum somewhere in your home, take care of that. If you need to sweep under the table after meals, sweep under the table after the meals. When I talk about my routine, I'm not, I'm not the one that's necessarily doing everything. I am also enlisting the help of my family. So I want you to understand <laughs> that when I'm saying, like my kids, I'll say, hey, you know, look under the table. If there's crumbs. Someone go get a broom and take care of that. And, you know, they'll look around and say who did it last. And then someone will go get the broom. Wiping the counters is uh, another daily task. So at the end of mealtimes or at least at, you know, at the end of after dinner, we wipe the kitchen counters. I take a peek at bathroom counters during the week. If there's toothpaste or splatters or something, I will just quickly wipe those things up. It makes it easier when bathrooms day comes around to have like at least touched on those during the week. But at the minimum, it's the kitchen counters are like the main thing that I um, concentrate on. Something that I include with wiping the counters in the kitchen is to do a nightly sink scrub. I recommend doing that. It's a little bit of bake it's baking soda with a little bit of essential oils. I put it in a mason jar, sprinkle it in my sink when it's when all the dishes are loaded or washed. And I add a little dish soap, a scrub brush or a sponge, and I scrub the kitchen sink, rinse it, dry it, put out a fresh hand towel, and then that kind of 
sets the tone for the kitchen. It's clean for the next day and it's closed for the night. (laughs) The fourth daily task is to do a daily declutter. This is huge. If you want to start doing the daily tasks, just doing a little pickup at one at one time during the day. It doesn't have to be the same time, but setting a timer for five or 10 minutes, having your kids go pick up anything that's on the floor or anything that they left out, something that's on the steps. Um, just putting your things away for the day is huge because then as you move to the next day, you don't have to deal with yesterday's mess. Um, And then the last um, daily cleaning task, which is controversial, but it is um, to do a load of laundry every day. We have three kids, so there's five of us. I have to do a load of laundry every day. Some days there's two loads of laundry. It really depends on how many family members you have. But in our home, we my kids all do sports and my husband and I work out and there's just no way we cannot. I would have like eight or 10 loads of laundry in one day if I saved it for like a laundry day. And then that's feels insurmountable to me and so overwhelming. So doing a load of laundry every day is really helpful. And I find that I don't, back to ironing, but I find that I don't have to iron when I do a load of laundry every day because I am hanging things up and putting or folding them and putting them away right away. So there's not, um, things aren't getting wrinkled. Um, So those are the five daily tasks. They are, um, I guess you could say like the backbone to the routine. I recommend if you want to try it, you could start like the first week, just make your bed every day. And then the second week, choose another daily task that sounds doable to you, like doing clutter for five or 10 minutes, make your bed and then deal with your clutter every day. And then just keep doing that every week and add another daily task until you have five daily tasks working for you. If you miss a day, it doesn't matter. (laughs) No big deal. Just do it the next day or when you're able to. But those daily tasks really keep the daily dirt down and make it a lot easier for a clean and organized home. The Sustainable Minimalist Podcast is supported by Charlie Banana. I want to make better decisions for the environment without sacrificing comfort, especially when it comes to my daughters. That's why I love products like Charlie Banana Reusable Cloth Diapers. They're certified carbon neutral, they're so easy to use, and they are incredibly soft. Plus, their money-back guarantee means there's no risk to you and there's less waste headed to landfills. My daughter loves her Charlie Bananas. She loves the patterns and how comfortably they fit. No more complaints at bedtime means I am a happy mama. I have been so impressed with Charlie Banana reusable cloth diapers, and I want you to try them for your little ones. I've worked out a great limited time deal for listeners, 31% off your purchase, but it's only available by going to charliebanana.com slash minimal and using promo code minimal at checkout, 31% off at charliebanana.com slash minimal with promo code minimal at checkout. Now back to the interview. 
And we're back with Becky Rappenchuk of Clean Mama. Just before the break, Becky, you did such a great job of offering up those five daily tasks, which all of us would do well to do every single day. I feel as though as a adult, adulting is hard. (laughs) And as an adult, we have limited or finite time. So when we look at the scope of maintaining a household, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel as though we don't know where best to put our energy and time. And so I love how you offered up those five daily tasks to really simplify the problem because I feel as though those five tasks can give us the most bang for our buck, so to speak. But now building upon your five daily tasks is in your book, you offer weekly tasks. So tell us what on earth are the weekly tasks and when should we be doing them? Yeah. So once you have those daily tasks down, then it's time to add the weekly tasks in. And I have those associated with the day of the week. This has been, I've tested this through multiple life stages, whether it's when my husband and I were first married and we had a one bedroom, teeny tiny apartment, all the way to like probably the craziest time of our life when I was pregnant with our third, I had a traveling job. So I was like flying in and out to another state while working like 60 hours a week. And I was starting my blog. So it was like crazy. I had no energy. It still worked. It still worked then. My bathrooms were the one thing that did suffer because I just couldn't do it. But it's a routine that works with any schedule. But Monday is bathroom cleaning day. And uh, in the book I have, I, I share my routine. You can also find it on the blog. And there's a free printable for it too. But it's how I clean four bathrooms in 15 minutes. The secret is that I'm not washing the floors or vacuuming the floors on Monday. I am merely doing the mirrors and surfaces in the bathroom. So it's not, it's not like a speed cleaning, like sort of cleaning. You are actually like cleaning, cleaning your bathroom from top to bottom. You're just not doing the floors. So that's Monday. Tuesday is dusting day. Uh, The reason it's on, well, I'm going to back up to Monday. The reason that bathrooms are on Monday is because it's my least favorite thing to do. And I figure it's like the eat the frog, get it out of the way um, right away in the week. And with three kids, the bathrooms kind of, they they could use a nice cleaning after the weekend. I'll just put it like that. Um, Then on Tuesday, it's dusting day. And that is when I zip through the house as quickly as I can. And I dust those surfaces with either a cleaning cloth or a duster and go as quickly as I can. I do that on Tuesday because Wednesday is vacuuming day and you should always vacuum after you dust. Now, I could say like vacuum then on Tuesday, but that's just too much. And because I'm dusting weekly, it's not like pillows, you know, or billows of dust flying around. It's a little bit of dust. So I dust on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, I vacuum. Thursdays, I wash the floors. There are some people that find that when they don't, they can't stand vacuuming and then waiting the next day to wash floors. So I recommend either splitting it up. So on Wednesday, you vacuum and wash half of your home. 
And on Thursday, you vacuum and wash the other half. Or what I do is I will vacuum late in the day on Wednesday and then wash the floors early in the morning on Thursday. And then that way, there is not a lot of time in between. It does not bother me to wait till the next day to wash my floors. (laughs) I'm fine with it. I find that now I have like two days of really nice clean floors. So that's how I look at it. But I know there are people that have issues with that. So that's those are my recommendations on that. Friday is catch all day, which means that it's a day to catch up. So if you were um, sick on Monday and you didn't do your bathrooms, you could do that, do them on Friday. You could also skip it and do them the next Monday. So you you don't have to you don't have to always use Friday as your catch all day, but sometimes you might want to do like a quick clean of your house for the weekend, or maybe you're having company in another world, or <laughs> um, and you want to have um, you want to do a quick clean of the house on Friday. You can use your catch all day to do that. I will also pair Fridays with meal planning and grocery shopping, and I also wipe out my fridge on Fridays too bef- while I'm meal planning and then before I go grocery shopping so that the fridge is clean and ready for groceries. Saturday is sheets and towels day. The reason for that is kids are home on the weekend. They need to know how to change sheets and make beds and all that good stuff. So they get to help. And then sheets and towels just go together for me. So we wash everyone's regular clothes during the week. Everyone has a day. And then on Saturday, it's sheets and towels. And then on Sunday, I recommend just doing the daily tasks and don't, I don't have an actual like a weekly cleaning task on Sundays. Okay. That is so comprehensive. Thank you so much. But I have to ask you, as I was listening to you talk, it sounds to me as though you really love cleaning. <laughs> is that right? I enjoy it. I like the end result more than the actual act of cleaning. So it's that, how will this make me feel? How does the house feel? What, you know, like I think about those things. I also have things that I do while I'm cleaning that make it fun where like I might listen to music or a podcast. If I'm folding clothes, I'm probably watching something on Netflix. Like I'm, I always have something else that I enjoy doing. Sometimes I'll, um, talk on the phone, put my headphones in and talk to my mom or my sister or a friend. It doesn't feel like drudgery to me. I have long felt, or I I guess I've always as an adult felt more like it's a privilege to clean the home. It's something I get to do instead of something I have to do. And I get to do it because uh, I have this space and I get to do it because I, um, I have this family that makes messes that we get to clean up after. I mean, there's, I, I, I kind of feel like, like looking at it more on a positive way is helpful for me and for my heart when I'm like talking about cleaning and thinking about it. It doesn't mean that I don't think like, I can't believe my boy's toilet is so disgusting or like, what in the world are they doing in here? Why is there a room a mess? I mean, I think all those things, but I, I also kind of, um, temper that with the privilege that it is too. Mm. Your response really speaks to the 
not just the importance, but also the power of gratitude. I get to clean this house because I'm fortunate enough to have a home and I get to clean this dirty toilet because I'm fortunate enough to have healthy children. I think that there's a lot to be said about just flipping the script a little bit uh, instead of (laughs) focusing on the drudgery, focusing on the blessings. I want to switch gears really quick before we say goodbye and talk to you about two pain points that my listeners write to me about all the time because I think that you are the perfect person to offer some insight if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The first pain point that it seems as though my listeners and myself constantly have issues with is the paperwork and the mail. So what would you argue is the solution to those problems? Yep, they are. I I think they're problems for or challenges (laughs) for everyone. The if if you're talking about, let's start with the mail because that's generally where those things come in. For me, what I have found to be helpful, and I'm a paper bill person. I we get our bills in the mail because I like to have that paper copy. So I am the person with the stack of bills. But when I come in from the mailbox or when my kids bring the mail in, we go through it right away and recycle anything that does not we don't need and or junk mail, whatever. And then I open up the bills. I have a, um, a file folder like system on my wall in the office. The bills all go into to pay. So it's a section for that. Underneath that slot, I have to file. And so those are bills that are paid that if I need to keep something for a month or two or through the end of the year, I also have an in-process file where I have like my, for business purposes, like tax info, press info, invoices, that sort of thing. And then I also have uh, uh, like just like a miscellaneous, <laughs> like this is, I, I need to hold on to this. It doesn't necessarily fit in anything right now, which is fine, but it's, you know, still there in case I need it for something. Um, I find that Having a space. So that's for me, like that's like my portion. But then there's also the kid part of it too. So in our kitchen, by our calendar, we have a file folder that with the labeled school. And that's where all the school files go. So if it's something that a permission slip that needs to go, maybe a school calendar, um, a hot lunch schedule. I mean, I don't know, like anything that would be school related, that goes in there. Um, and then invitations um, can go in there too, or they, there's a lot of ways that you can kind of think about dividing those file folders up um, as well. You could keep it as simple as an in and out basket or folder. So if you don't need to subcategorize things for business expenses or for your kids, you could just ha- simply have an in and out file. So any mail that's in that has not been dealt with stays in the in box. Anything that is ready to go out or ready to be filed can be in that out basket. So you can kind of keep it like super simple or you can break it out a little bit more beyond that. Uh, I find that schoolwork, things that come home from the school for kids tends to be a lot. And I 
will I have a file folder for each or a file box for each child. There are 13 folders in it. They're labeled pre-K through 12th grade. Each kid gets a folder for each year. I will not give them a second box. So so we keep things every year, whether it's like a program from a play or something like that, or maybe it's a special photograph from their classroom, a little small art project, something. Those things all go by year. And then we look at those every year and decide if we still want to keep those things. Because sometimes they'll want to keep something and I'll I'll know that it won't be like something they'll want to keep forever because it was like a silly worksheet or something like that. I also keep anything with a handprint. That's something like a rule for me, like anything that has my kid's handprint on it, I keep that or like a footprint, something like that. Those things are really special, but we don't keep much just from the sheer, like knowing what it feels like to receive boxes and boxes and boxes from your in-laws of <laughs> things that were kept and then going through them and thinking, why did you save this? <laughs> um, you know, that's just my experience. But <laughs> the, um, and then I also, each kid also has a large art portfolio and that's where we keep the larger artwork. If some people will take a picture and they'll make those into books and then you don't keep that larger um, piece of artwork. I was an art teacher. I like the actual artwork. So that's how I do that. You kind of have to decide what's best for your family, but that's how I have organized that. Um, So my recommendation for paperwork is deal with it daily, every single day. As soon as something comes in, take care of it, have a system in place that works for you to either file that, pay that. I know someone that I used to work with that was super organized would, the day that, if any mail that she had, she would pay that bill that day and then um, put at this, and this is before online bill paying, but she would put the envelope out. She'd put a um, a date that on the envelope, the date that it, she'd want it to be mailed. So it was all ready to go, stamped, check was made out, everything. And then she would mail it on the day that she had written. So then she wasn't even touching it twice, which is re- like a great way to do things. You could also transfer that to like online bill paying. If you get a bill, schedule it the day you get it or go through them weekly to kind of stay on top of that. Mm, I totally agree with the don't touch it twice philosophy if it's feasible in the moment. I really, when it comes to the paperwork and the mail, I really operate under the, if I can take care of this in under five minutes, I'm going to just do it because number one, it gets something off my plate. But number two is it reduces the visual clutter the overstimulation, excuse me, overstimulation of seeing this pile of essentially a to-do list task that I haven't gotten to yet. So that's a tip, quick tip for me is if I can tackle this paper-related problem in under five minutes, and I of course have five minutes, I'm going to just get it done right now. So thank you so much. That was such a comprehensive (laughs) solution. My last one for you before we say goodbye is the kid spaces, maybe in your home, it's a toy room, maybe it's the kids' bedrooms. What is the solution to the kids' spaces who are just, it looks like a bomb went off every single darn day? (laughs) 
Yeah, I understand that. I used to say it was like someone threw up toys everywhere. Like if you feel <laughs> like that, um, I would encourage you to like minimize as much as you possibly can because kids play so much better with less anyways. They play longer. They play more in depth when they have less choices and less things to choose from. I have always been someone that encourages separating things out. So if you have Duplos, those go in a Duplo bin or a Duplo basket. If you have animal, like those hard, like animals that you play with, put those in a basket. If you have like magnetiles, those go in a basket. So you have all those things separated. Um, We've always used uh, bookcases with baskets so that it didn't, look like it was a toy room. It looked more like a bookcase with baskets. And that helped me from a, um, I don't want it to look like I live in, you know, an FAO Schwartz (laughs) all the time. I want it to still like when the kids go to bed, I want it to feel like grownups live here too. So that was how I did things. If, but we did not have a, a toy room per se or a playroom either. So we had to make sure that those things kind of blended in, or I wanted to make sure those things kind of blended into the rest of our decor. I always recommend doing like a toy library. So if you have those items in bins or baskets, rotate through them and only have a couple choices. And then the next week, take the other ones out and put new toys back into those spaces because they're going to feel fresh and new to your kids. And it's going to be so much easier for them to clean up. And that way you can be like, take out one basket, you know, choose something, play with that. And then we'll put those things away. And then we'll choose something else after nap time or later today or whatever it is, just to keep it simpler, easier. It's easier to manage. It's not overwhelming for them. You can teach them how to clean up after themselves better when they have less to clean up. Hmm. Another strategy you mentioned in the book is, of course, to teach kids to clean as they go. And after when I read that, I was like, well, oh, duh, why haven't I thought of that? And so I've been working on it in my own life with my own children who take out a puzzle, don't do the puzzle, then go to coloring, then get markers everywhere. Uh, To clean as they go, it's definitely a process in my house, but sometimes the simplest solution is the best one. So thank you so much. Your book, Clean Mama's Guide to a Peaceful Home, is available now. Tell us where we can find it. Yeah. So my website is cleanmama.com. You can find it on the books section of my website. And it's available in libraries all over. If your library doesn't have it, I would request it. And yeah, it's that's where you can find it. You can find me at Clean Mama. And it's M-A-M-A on social too. I'm most active on Instagram. Becky, this was such a great conversation. I hate to clean, but I must say you have really ignited a fire in me to (laughs) make my existing not-so-ritualistic rituals a little bit more concrete. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. I so hope you enjoyed my chat with Becky Rappinchuk of Clean Mama. I have linked to her blog and her book in this week's show notes, which you can find at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 170. On next week's show, I am bringing you two interviews in one show. I'm really excited about it. 
both interviews discuss homeschooling our kids. My first interview is with a homeschooling coach who comes to the conversation armed with tips and tricks on, first of all, what our kids need from us in order to homeschool effectively, and also how we can be effective homeschool parents, even if we know nothing about teaching. And my second guest is a former science teacher who comes to us with three easy, and the keyword here is really easy, science experiments about sustainability that we can do at home with our kids to get them thinking about issues surrounding environmentalism. It's a great, really content-driven episode next week, and I so hope you'll tune in. I will see you then. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, and take care, my friends.